Hi, and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and find other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. In this podcast, we bring you the sermon series, Trinity, Understanding the Person of God. Each week, we will take a look at a different aspect of the nature of God, God who is the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit, as we hope to cast some light and wisdom upon the complexity of the three persons of the one true Godhead, the mystery of the Trinity. But before the message, let's come to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to take a risk, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, ladies and gentlemen, this morning. Um, as I was preparing to pray, God asked me to ask you to do something quite specific, and it does involve a very small amount of participation. Let me explain. Um, In the time of Jesus, the Jews would come to the temple and they would not pray looking downwards. They would pray with their arms out, looking to heaven. Jesus references this when he points to the the, the fake holiness of the rich man, comparing it to the the widow who comes in. Um, I would like us to welcome the Holy Spirit into this place this morning in the same way. So, as you are able, stand, sit. But I would like you, rather than hunching forward, because in this world we tend to cover up and protect ourselves from the spiritual punches, the mental punches. It's a tough time, and we curl up, and we tend to protect ourselves, or box at us. And we do that spiritually because the world is a difficult place. So today, I want us to, before we sing and we meet with the word, I'd like us to uncurl ourselves and reach out and lift our faces to God in preparation. So as you feel able, sitting, standing, lying down, it is the day after the Eurovision Song Contest, after all. So Father, as you feel able, raise your hands and your heart. And let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you give us this space and this place. We thank you for the redeemed Christ. Father, although we meet with you on a daily basis, this is a special place, a special day, a day set aside, the day you rested, and the day we can come and meet with you in a special and intimate way, Father. You know where every heart is here today. You know where every soul is today. You know where they are with you You know how hard or how joyful that week has been. Father, as we gather and we stand in your light, let us lift our hearts and praise you and come into your presence in a special and wonderful way this morning. In Jesus' name. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word to reach you where you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed, maybe help you in your questioning of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord or go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. 
If so, then please get in touch through the Contact Us on our website page, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. Recently, we had a, um, a Bible course, which was terrific, and I'm sure you've, you've heard quite a bit about it. And as it was drawing to a close, uh, going through the f- those final books of the New Testament, Mike intimated to the group, he said, he's looking to prepare a sermon series on Revelation. I, my look on the, on the Zoom call probably said exactly the same thing. And I confess that I did not appeal. Revelation is a difficult enough book to read, far less to study and, and, and preach on, I thought. So I kind of said... I think I might be unavailable for that series. (laughs) I should know God has a sense of humor. And so as we continue in our study of the Trinity, and we're still looking at the character names of Jesus, today we come to Jesus the Redeemer, and our reading this morning comes, obviously and irritatingly, from Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, and reading from verses 10 to 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy for this, of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does, not, who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right, and, the, and let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give it to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right of the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this scroll If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. May the Lord bless this, his word, and his message to us today. Amen. I'm coming soon. Stated twice in this passage, so it must be important. I'm coming soon. It's kind of ironic, though, because this is the concluding part of the Trinity, the study looking at our reflections of Jesus with him as the Redeemer. Next week we'll start on... Mike will will start on the Holy Spirit. But Jesus promised that he would come back again. Long before Arnold Schwarzenegger coined the phrase, Jesus had been telling his disciples, 
I'll be back. But not as a terminator, not to exact revenge, but for our salvation, to redeem us to himself. Without taking too much of Mike's coming series, Revelation is a prophecy. It's a prophecy of the world to come. Right from the start of the book, in chapter 1, verse 8, I'm the Omega, the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, uh, the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then today's passage, the very end of that book, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. There's a recurring theme through all the characters of Jesus that we've studied in the past weeks. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. Jesus was with God in the beginning and will be there at the end times, part of the Trinity together as one. Jesus' presence is described by John throughout Revelation as the king of the earth, the ruler of all things. He brings both hope and a warning, depending on where you are when you read the message. Because on one side, Jesus comes to collect his people, to redeem them, to give them their final salvation. However, on the other side, there are those who will be discarded, rejected, and cast aside. Jesus will be the ultimate judge. And that can be a scary proposition if we were to consider our own position at this moment. But it's not new news to us. Jesus' return is expected. It's, an, it's imita- intimated regularly across Scripture. John's vision here in Revelation gives us a picture and a finality to that future a purpose around Jesus' return to draw things to a conclusion and a context for us to see him as Jesus, the Redeemer, returning to rescue his children for good, redeeming their lives. So what can this passage, this part of the prophecy, tell us and teach us today about Jesus as Redeemer and how we respond to that? I'm going to approach this by looking at how both this hope and warning around the second coming of Jesus was introduced by both Jesus himself and also by Paul in some of his letters. If we return to the passage first, though, we can break it into the sections. Verses 12 to 14 are hopeful. Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, first and last, beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. There is a picture of hope for the faithful and obedient because of who Jesus is in that trinity. He's part of that trinity, part of the Alpha and Omega, first and last. He offers a right to the tree of life. Also, verses 16 and 17, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I'm the root and offspring offspring of David, the bright morning star. I am who I said I was from the start. The spirit and the bride say, come, 
let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. He gives another offer to take the free gift of the water of life, open to all who wish it. This is the gift of eternal life and a new life with him. The new life that Jesus himself promised. In John 14, 1 to 4, uh, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, have to, would I have told you that I am going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Paul spoke about it in Philippians chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we can be like his glorious body. There is hope for us. This is the purpose of the second coming of Jesus. Our redemption will be complete when this happens, and we will have our place in heaven. However, if we look at the earlier part of that passage, verses 10 and 11, give an instruction and a comment. Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong, the vile person continue to be vile, the one who does right continue to do right, and the holy person continue to be holy. This statement sounds very strange. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. But before that, it seems to be a hint of urgency. The time is near. Something's going to happen soon. Having read a couple of commentaries on this little section, the consensus seems to be that the time is so short that there may not be sufficient opportunity left for the people to change their characters. So those who wrong can't make the change. This is the last chance saloon we're in before that final judgment. But we must also acknowledge that the same attention must apply to the Christians who read this prophecy. The message should impact our lives to such a degree that we're led to maximize our opportunity towards a more fruitful and meaningful relationship with Jesus. The obvious problem that we have is that we've no idea how soon that will be when Jesus returns. Luke, four, Luke 12 verse 40 says, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It appears to be on an entirely need-to-know basis. Matthew 24 says, no one knows about the day or hour not even the angels in heaven, but only the Father. But the instruction is clear. This is a serious warning that goes with it, one which no one can afford to miss. Uh, it's put like our decisions will determine our character, and our character determines our destiny. 
It's the character that Jesus will judge when he returns. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 9 and 10 states, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And this is also clear in the judgment of the returning Jesus will be for everyone. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. We will be rewarded accordingly. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Those who are obedient are blessed. The others will be left outside. We often overlook the fact of our judgment. And I think that's where the message of this passage is important for us today. Those of us who've made a decision to follow Jesus, to accept his sacrifice as a payment for our sins, our salvation is guaranteed. We can get into something of a state of complacency with that. Like we're sorted and there's nothing more for us to do. However, regardless of our decision, we will still come before the throne of Christ. Jesus will still judge our character. Jesus raised this idea of judgment in his teaching. Basically, the whole of Matthew 25 is full of teaching the disciples about the second coming. I won't cover this in huge detail. You can read it at your leisure, but it gives us an insight of where John's prophecy leads. Firstly, firstly, there's a parable of the ten virgins, which warns us to be ready at all times, and it ends with, therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Then we get to the parable of the talents, which makes us look at what we do with what we've been entrusted with, how we put that to work, what we have done to further the kingdom for when Jesus, the master, returns. This parable is also in Luke 19. It's not talents, it's minas, but it's the same parable. It brings forward the idea of our judgment when Jesus returns. I'll read the, the, the tail end of it from verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled the accounts with him. The man who'd received bags, five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with, those, with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. The master chastises the servant who has done nothing, who has buried his talent in order to protect himself, not even placing it on deposit. In other words, not even using it to invest in someone else's activity. This is not the character that Jesus desires. This is not how he wants or expects us to work through our salvation. He does not want lazy servants. He wants us to use our time here to build our character, to be fruitful and active, not to hide away and bury his gifts of hope without reaping returns because there are consequences to that. As the third parable of Ma in Matthew 25 concludes, it's a section titled, The Sheep and the Goats, where the sheep who follow the master are separated and blessed for their character, while the goats who do their own thing for themselves are discarded. If we look back to the other descriptions of Jesus that we've studied in the past few weeks, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus, Savior and Lord, Redeemer, they all point to one thing, his life, death, and resurrection so that anyone who turned to him could have forgiveness of sin and the assurance of eternal life with him in heaven. However, our belief in Jesus for who he is, Son of God, Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end, will change us. We've become new creations. We sing about it, and we're grateful for it. But does that new creation reflect in our hearts, in our character, or our lives in general? It has to, because that is what's important. This is what we'll be judged on. It's what Jesus returns. That's what he's going to judge. Remember last week when, when Mike emphasized that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord over all. Even those of us who believe we have the insurance of, of our salvation will have to answer to the same question from Jesus. What have you done? Our answer will reveal our true heart, our true character. That's our warning. Without the second coming for us who were born after the crucifixion and resurrection, our hope is lost because our, salva our salvation will be incomplete without that second coming. Only when he returns will our, will our salvation be complete and our place beside him will be taken. But we don't know when that, that will be. But there is an urgency with this. So we need to be working out our salvation now, building our character, becoming the new creations 
that we want to become, that God wants us to become, using the talents that God has given us, each to our own abilities. Those of us here, and I include myself in this, how many other people do we know? How many of them know that we're saved or changed or a new creation in and through Christ Jesus? How many need to see and hear about the good news in your life? How it has and is changing us? Do we show them the changes or tell them about the changes? This is a recurring theme whenever we think about Jesus the Christ. His gift of blessing for and restoration through the Spirit is for anyone who is thirsty. Not as my spell checker put it, thirsty. And it is our work, our commission to share that offer and spread that good news to those we meet so that we can meet the returning Redeemer with confidence and joy for our final redemption. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for that gift of salvation, that gift of eternal life that you offer to all. Lord, I thank you for the promise and hope for our redemption and the protection of the Holy Spirit that you, that you give us. Lord, I, we can't do it on our own. We know that. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to work out our salvation, to build our characters so that we can meet you with confidence and joy when you come again to take your flock to be with you, Lord. Lord, I ask these things in your glorious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Barbara Ann Howey, and the contributing music is Up to the Mood from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless.